If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the year-end wrap-up for the Bogosity Podcast for the year 2022, the year of the brain wreck. This is your host, Shane Killian. And what a year! Do I say that every year? Maybe because we just get more and more idiocy and it didn't help that this was a midterm election year. How weird is it when the conspiracy nuts ended up being right? That was sort of a running theme from right off the bat, when we found out that scientists the whole time had feared that SARS-CoV-2 originated as a leak from the Wuhan lab, but kept it quiet for the sake of international harmony. A year after the WHO said that the lab leak theory was, quote, outrageous, they changed the story to say that it needs, quote, further investigations. And a FOIA request revealed that the federal government was, in fact, funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. Joe Rogan and Tim Pool and numerous doctors were vindicated when the FDA and the CDC finally acknowledged that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine might have strong antiviral powers after all. Something virologists have been saying for decades, and they admitted that the studies they used to justify their claim that they were ineffective were so low quality they couldn't tell anything about efficacy. Which means that their prior behavior and strong-arming, at best, delayed research into valuable treatments for COVID. We also got confirmation that lockdowns did not save lives, and the learning loss to children was very real. The Hunter Biden laptop, as we'd said from day one, is authentic, as the New York Times finally admitted back in March, even though intelligence experts said it had the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Hallmarks like the DKIM signatures validating. And we got even more confirmation about this with the Twitter files. After Elon Musk purchased Twitter, a prospect that sent pretty much the entire left into conniptions, he gave journalists such as Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger, Lee Fang, and David Zweig access to a searchable database where they could look for public interest material regarding Twitter's censorship actions over the last several years. These have been released in a series of threads known as the Twitter Files, of which, as of this podcast prep, there have been 12 so far. The first and seventh covered the Hunter Biden laptop story and how it was, in fact, the government acted to stop the story since, quote, the First Amendment isn't absolute. The second confirmed that this overwhelmingly affected conservative voices, and three through five were about removing Donald Trump from Twitter. Those involved in all of this were current and former DOJ and FBI members, mostly Obama appointees. In particular, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan pushed through the hesitation that Yoel Roth, then head of site integrity, had about censoring news stories. Also, the FBI paid Twitter staff more than $3.4 million for their time. Six showed that Twitter had, in effect, become a subsidiary of the FBI, with regular daily meetings about censoring subversive accounts, including those with low followers who were engaging in obvious satire. Taibbi reported, quote, The takeaway, what most people think of as the deep state, is really a tangled collaboration of state agencies, private contractors, 
and sometimes state-funded NGOs. The lines become so blurred as to be meaningless. Eight introduced the Pentagon to the proceedings, showing how they engaged in a covert online PSYOP campaign, not just with Twitter, but with Facebook and many other social media sites as well. And while Twitter moved quickly to suspend any account the Pentagon requested, they knew the DOD had a vast network of fake accounts and covert propaganda and did nothing to suppress or suspend them. We got an early Christmas present with Part 9, showing the communications between Twitter execs and government agencies happened so much that they'd lost track. Quote, Is today the DOD and tomorrow the FBI? Is it the weekly call or the monthly meeting? It was dizzying. Ten covered more attempts to promote specific tweets while censoring others and suspending accounts, this time about the COVID-19 pandemic. And to show that Republicans suck too, this one actually started with Donald Trump, who was trying to use misinformation to prevent runs on grocery stores. Joe Biden then took office and cranked it up to 11, with Twitter execs acquiescing to the demands that were, as Wyke put it, quote, bent heavily toward establishment dogma. Part 11 covered the manufactured PR crisis the government instigated against Twitter for supposedly failing to stop Russian bot accounts when executives kept failing to find any. Quote, First round of RU investigation, 15 high-risk accounts, three of which have connections with Russia, although two are RT. And, quote, Finished with investigation, 2,500 full manual account reviews, we think this is exhaustive. 32 suspicious accounts, and only 17 of those are connected with Russia. Only two of those have significant spend, one of which is Russia today. Government forced them under threat to take more action against accounts that they claimed were Russian, even though there's no evidence they actually were. And in Part 12, Taibi calls Twitter the FBI's belly button. Under Trump, the State Department threatened to publish a list of 5,500 accounts they claimed would, quote, amplify Chinese propaganda and disinformation regarding COVID. This didn't sit well with Roth, who preferred to avoid partnering with the government. Taibbi reported, quote, a deeper reason was a perception that, unlike the DHS and FBI, which were apolitical, as Roth put it, the Global Engagement Center was political, which in Twitterese appeared to be partisan code. I think they thought the FBI was less Trumpy, is how one former DOD official put it. Taibi promised more to come, so stay tuned. They'll be posted to Twitter, and, if the current trend holds, be almost completely ignored by the mainstream media. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator.
Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. We also had confirmation revealed during the Michael Sussman trial that Hillary Clinton had, in fact, been involved in creating the lie that Trump was elected because of Russian interference. Also, it turned out that the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case was an operation of entrapment from the FBI, which got them biggest bogan emitter. As a midterm election year, the bogosity flew. Back in June, a size advisory had warned of serious security flaws in voting machines, but after the November election, you were a horrible person if you even mentioned the possibility. So once again, there were all sorts of questions about various elections, which were called conspiracy theories from enemies of democracy by the same people who spent four years trying to claim that the Russians manipulated the 2016 election so Trump would win. The most controversial was the Arizona governor's race, where Republican Kerry Lake challenged incumbent Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. Improperly, Hobbs refused to recuse herself and allow an independent panel to certify the results of the election. Additionally, election officials refused to recuse themselves, even the ones who had started an anti-Lake pack. Maricopa County, the most populous county in the state, was the center of attention since the number of disenfranchised voters easily exceeded the 17,000 vote difference between Lake and Hobbs. The words of both voters and precinct workers who spoke of numerous problems on election day fell on deaf ears. But it was important because most Democrats voted early while most Republicans voted on election day. So election day problems way disproportionately hurt Republicans. And given that so many precinct workers said that the machines were working fine the night before, and suddenly machines in over 40% of Maricopa County's election centers had problems right off the bat, with some of them not able to record any votes until hours later, I'm sorry, that just isn't the kind of thing that happens by accident. Someone did something. So Lake sued in another obvious kangaroo court where county members gave inconsistent and contradictory testimony, and one was clearly using the fact that he was testifying over Zoom to illegally read his testimony. The judge ruled against Lake, ignoring or misstating every single one of her arguments, while accepting county officials at their word, even when their testimony was contradicted by they themselves on cross. He also claimed to have based his decision on the affidavit submitted by affected voters. But since he would have to have read 220 affidavits in less than 24 hours, color us skeptical. He also held her to an impossible and unprecedented standard of proof. She basically would have had to specify 17,000 disenfranchised voters by name and prove that the problems were malicious with the county officials' mere word that it wasn't being sufficient to disprove. So yeah, the fix was in. Lake is now appealing to the Arizona Supreme Court. Another interesting feature of 2022 was the rise of artificial intelligence, in particular AI art, as technology such as stable diffusion puts the ability to produce high-quality artwork in the hands of the everyday user. Early on, the U.S. Copyright Office confirmed that only human authorship can be copyrighted. The output of any algorithm, including AI, cannot. But many started taking a different tack, 
saying that since copyrighted images were used in training, it must violate copyright somehow. But the AI does not and cannot copy art. Many, many terabytes of art were used to train models that ended up being just a couple of gigabytes in size. The data to copy it just isn't there. The cases where it was shown to be nearly identical to an existing work were cases where a user used that work as input and told the AI to modify it. If they sufficiently change it, it's a derivative work. But if they don't, it could be a copyright violation, but it would be a violation by the user, not the AI. Mostly, it's neo-Luddism with wannabe hack artists screeching that it's going to take their jobs, just like they did with photography, home movies, and CGI. Real artists, on the other hand, reacted with excitement, creating both standalone applications and add-ons for professional software like Blender so that artists could use AI as a tool to produce new original works. And indications are, 2023 is going to be even more amazing. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Up in the Great White North, Justin Trudeau showed him to be the horrible human being we've known him to be for years, and nowhere was that more obvious than with the Canada trucker protest. They were protesting the fact that they were no longer considered essential workers, along with ridiculous quarantine mandates for truckers crossing the border, even though truckers don't have much contact with people while they're on a run. So they drove their trucks to Ottawa to demonstrate. And it wasn't just Trudeau. One liberal MP got idiot extraordinaire for saying honk honk is code for Heil Hitler. Mysteriously, all of Canada's major banks went offline for several hours after the Emergency Act went into place and many truckers found their bank accounts frozen. Back home, Joe Biden right off the bat was receiving DNF grades from independents. And that just got worse over the year as inflation soared to 40-year highs. He kept passing one new gun control dictate after another, bypassing Congress, and in complete disregard for the Second Amendment and the Supreme Court. Something I got wrong was Putin invading Ukraine, because that was a dumb thing for him to do, with the propaganda flying so fast it was hard to tell what the truth was. And I mean, it got really stupid, like when an Israeli TV channel showed what was supposed to be footage from Ukraine, but was really a clip from Star Wars. Except for the few reports we actually got from Donbass, which always seemed to favor Russia's side of the story more than Zelensky's. 
Nevertheless, all sorts of services, including Internet backbone providers like Cogent and Lumen, cut off access to Russian users, much to the detriment of Russians protesting the war. It got even stupider when the Montreal Symphony Orchestra got idiot extraordinaire for canceling the performance of a Russian pianist, even though he spoke out against the war. And the Cardiff Philharmonic canceled performances of Tchaikovsky, even though Tchaikovsky lived in the area and identified with the culture and language that's now known as Ukraine. Crimea, Kyrgyzstan, Luhansk, and Donetsk all voted by a pretty solid majority to secede from Ukraine and join Russia in elections that the West called a sham. All I'm going to say is, if those elections were invalid, the 2020 and 2022 U.S. elections have to be too, because there were far more problems with them. Ten months later, the war still rages on, even though Ukraine immediately had Russia on the run and they've been retreating from everywhere and they can't stand up to Ukraine at all. But if that's the case, how come Russia keeps not losing? Expect a lot more war propaganda in 2023. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins. Earlier in the year, we were treated to the drama of an FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home where supposedly thousands of classified documents containing nuclear codes or whatever were seized. And over time, as we came to learn more about the documents, found that it all really wasn't anything. Nothing that would further Trump's business interests, nothing about Jan 6, no nuclear anything, and so far, the FBI hasn't revealed any documents that were anything other than what Trump said they were, personal records from his time as president. Julian Assange's extradition was ordered by the British High Court. We covered the lies and outright illegal activity the U.S. and the U.K. used to hold him and spy on him, as well as denying him effective counsel and the ability to meaningfully participate in his defense. Assange has now appealed to the European Court of Human Rights. We'll be keeping an eye on that one in 2023 as well. Oh, wow, what a year in gun rights. Let's see. Let's start off with Megan Hunt getting biggest bogani meter for calling gun ownership a slave owner misogynistic right. There was lots of bogosity involving red flag laws, including federal funding through the Safer Communities Act, which also widely expanded the range of people prohibited from owning or possessing firearms. NPR claimed an AR-15 is capable of beheading people. 
the California AG leaked a trove of gun owners' private information. But in good news, the Supreme Court overturned concealed carry restrictions in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. It invalidated many restrictions on concealed carry licenses and gave greater protections to citizens exercising their right to keep and bear arms in public places. On the other hand, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, something else I failed to see coming. The worst thing about it is that, for some reason, pro-choicers started resorting to the stupidest arguments, and even the dissent read like an article on Salon.com. They said that the DOJ cannot prosecute doctors under the Controlled Substances Act if they prescribe opioids in good faith. They also said the EPA's ability to regulate carbon emissions was limited by legislation, upheld school choice and struck down religious restrictions, and struck down vaccine mandates from OSHA and HHS. On a very positive note, we've seen a new respect for nuclear power. In August, Japan said they wanted to restart more nuclear reactors to avoid power shortages. With nuclear power just 7% of their power generation, they've now brought nine reactors back online that have been shut down since the Fukushima disaster, and they just approved the restart of another seven. They're also sensibly extending the operational lifespan from 40 to 60 years. Most would be able to last even longer. Their goal is to have nuclear power provide 22% of their power by the end of the decade. Europe's learning the lesson, too. The Russo-Ukrainian War and the loss of the Nord Stream pipelines means that European countries, especially Germany, can no longer rely on natural gas from Russia. Germany has canceled the shutdown of its three remaining reactors and is debating restarting the rest of its 17 reactors shut down during the Angela Merkel regime. France is a big success story for nuclear power, while other countries that have moved to so-called renewables have seen their carbon output actually go up, France so long going nuclear, saw their carbon output drop. A few years ago, that policy was reversed, but now they've reversed the reversal, restarting the reactor shutdown after a rash of misguided shutdowns. Back home, we're even close to starting the first new U.S. reactor in 30 years, Vogtel Unit 3 in Georgia. It should start up in the first quarter of 2023, with Unit 4 to come online soon after. Another 10 reactors are planned to come online by the end of the decade. Even though it was a slow year for Silver Cluon winners, we did manage to come up with three. Back in May, Elon Musk for calling the DMCA a plague on humanity. I'm tempted to give him another one just for buying Twitter and allowing journalists to release the Twitter files. And then, late in the year, The Onion received a silver clue on for their amicus brief to the Supreme Court supporting satire and parody, and the Babylon Bee picked up one the next week when they won up them. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. 
Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a three-month warranty, and one-on-one customer service. Go to Firmoo, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's firmoo.bogosity.tv. All right, so now it's time to pick 2022's Idiot of the Year. I asked supporters and former co-hosts of this podcast who they thought it should be. Chris Hangartner said, Mine is Justin Trudeau for his anti-gun laws, his response to the convoy protests, and the rampant corruption in his political office. Oh, and his plan to ban plastic. Trudeau is in charge of Canada, which is supposed to be a relatively free country. He keeps implementing failed policy after failed policy, and then he cries about why his own citizens hate him. Fourth Root responded to this by mentioning how he embarrassed himself in front of Xi Jinping. If you missed it, check the show notes for the video. Fourth Root said, I'd be tempted to nominate the entire Democratic Party for their abysmal failure to understand the very basics of Roe v. Wade. They repeatedly described the Supreme Court as acting like dictators when they were saying that the Supreme Court cannot act as dictators. Yeah, it's funny because AOC and other Democrats were trying to get a law passed saying that the Supreme Court should have no say in abortion when that's exactly what they ruled in Dobbs. Anthony Fauci was also discussed, in particular for his outright denial of funding gain-of-function research, which turned out to be less than truthful. And also, every leftist who, after decades of saying that corporations aren't people, defended social media censorship on the basis that they're private companies, but wouldn't extend that principle to a guy making a cake. Particularly since the Twitter files, which showed direct, deliberate, and extensive collusion with government. So let's do a quick overview of recipients of more than one biggest Bogani Mitter and or Idiot Extraordinaire. Receiving two were AOC, Bernie Sanders, Richard Blumenthal, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, who probably would have received another one over the holiday break for butchering right to repair, the state of California, and the European Union. The Democratic Party got three. Members of the legacy news media, who have received more than one Idiot of the Year in the past, came away with six. It was a big year in copyright, where politicians and big media cartels acting against their smaller competitors and abusing the system to act against fair use got a whopping 13. They tried to say that ad blockers violated copyrights, tried to take down YouTube DL and other rippers, Senators Leahy and Tillis trying to use Creative Commons to argue for filters, flagging Discord and Reddit as piracy threats, the SDNY issuing orders to every ISP in the U.S., yet more action against Cloudflare, and claims that AI violates copyright. But there's one who really stood out among the rest with 22, which has to be some kind of record, and that's Joe Biden and his administration. There's way too many to go over, but just to hit the highlights, DHS agents engaging in sex acts with victims, Biden's deal to produce COVID tests in late 2024, 
A DOJ witness admitted to lying in the Assange indictment. The NIH submitting fully redacted documents concerning federal funding of research in Wuhan, bypassing Congress to pass unconstitutional gun control dictates, including denial of gun rights to medical marijuana patients, not to mention his fraudulent pardon, which didn't actually pardon anyone. The whole Gretchen Whitmer fiasco, redefining recession, claiming zero inflation despite it being the highest in 40 years, renaming the Build Back Better Act to the Inflation Reduction Act, using the Russo-Ukrainian War as an excuse to pass restrictions on speech and commerce, his FDA banning sales of Juul e-cigs, and then admitting there was no reason to without reversing it, and still claiming ivermectin doesn't work but linking to studies that show that it does, his corrupt FBI padding domestic terrorism data with ordinary crimes, its corrupt raid on Mar-a-Lago where it lied about what was seized, and his SEC lying to courts about Howie and taking action not only against Library and Ripple, but trying to apply court orders to companies who aren't even defendants. Whew. Not only am I completely out of breath now, but I think you'll agree I don't really have to do anything more to explain why the Biden administration is 2022's Idiot of the wraps up the Bogosity Podcast for 2022, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. I hope you had great holidays and a great new year and we'll see you next week for the start of our 2023 coverage. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from PJ O'Rourke. Authority has always attracted the lowest elements in the human race. All through history, mankind has been bullied by scum. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial or Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.